Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, ladies out there, we are excited to come to you today with part two. Today, we are with Monica Edwani, and we are doing a book review. We did the first one in the first uh, podcast for the book that I love, she loves, and it is The Gift of Imperfection by Brene Brown, one of our favorite books. And in fact, we... um, as soon as I went through it, I listened to it on Audible and I immediately messaged Monica. I was like, oh my God, we have to do a podcast. Oh my gosh. Because the content is so good, so applicable, and it is so needed. And I am super excited. Monica, welcome back. I am happy to be back and I cannot wait for us to continue to dig in and, and do some um soul searching, I guess, you know, this right. is very intriguing because sometimes, you know, we think that we're going to talk about something and it ends up being something else. So, <laughs> totally different direction. Um, yeah, different directions. We never know where what's going to happen. So let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Now I will tell the listeners that we, Monica is a very, very busy person. Monica is working um, with an agency. She also helps out with people finding virtual assistants and she does all sorts of things in the insurance industry. So um, shout out to her and her awesomeness. But with that too, we recorded the first one of these back in September. And, um, and I will be very honest that uh, today is officially uh, November 12th. And so uh, we've had a little bit of time between these two, both with scheduling challenges, as well as I'll be very, very, very honest, that's what I like to do here is uh, my son, of course, passed away on September 13th. So um, with that, I had a little bit of downtime. And Monica has been very patient, very excited about that. But I am pumped to be able to come back here. So we might you might hear a little bit of a different tone this time around. Um, just because we're just different people. And in the middle, we both went to innovation or not in the middle, just like last week, we were both at innovation and I actually got to hug Monica in person. Yes, yes. for the first time ever. For the first time ever. It I know. so amazing. You know, but to add to that, it is so um, amazing that we did the first recording back in September. Mm. It's November and we are different people today. Yeah, we were in September, right? So we are leaving wholeheartedly and we are embracing wholeheartedly of imperfection. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think if the tone is a little bit different, it's not because we are less passionate, it's maybe because we grew a little bit from right. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. So let's hit it off. I love it. Well, every day we're just new people, right? And every moment changes right. us. So I love it. Well, this week, this, this episode, we're actually starting off with guidepost number six, which is cultivating creativity. Monica, do you think of yourself as a creative person? Like when you think of yourself, do you think of yourself as creative? I do. I do. But sometimes I don't go about it the right way. Okay. And I think, um, you know, I am very creative. I'm always innovating uh, either at work or in my personal life, right? Um, As a mom, as a wife, as a professional, I always try to find new ways of, you know, 
trading and utilizing my personality in different ways. So creativity comes in a lot of different ways for us. Um, but I do think sometimes we kind of create that in order to compare ourselves to others. And I think that's a wrong way of going about it. So we really yeah. have to dig on that because this about letting go of comparison and how to embrace and cultivate creativity. Um, so yeah, I will say that I am at fault sometimes of not being uh, cultivating creatively uh, or creativity, you know, from the right place. And that's totally. something that I need to learn. I need to learn. <clears throat> you know, How about you? <laughs> you're telling a laugh. <clears throat> um, back, so my elementary, my, my undergraduate is elementary education. So, you know, I, you know, love putting together like, you know, uh, billboards or, you know, like storyboards, things like that. Love mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and in my previous life, when I was a stay at home mom, I made scrapbooks for people. So that was mm -hmm. kind of a side job that I had. I would put together scrapbooks. So I always thought of myself as very crafty and crafty. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think of themselves as creative, right? Right. But one thing I learned about crafty and creativity are two completely different things because we can copy what people do and we can create yeah. similar things of what people do and we can make it ourselves, which makes it our own, which is a form of creativity. Yeah. And there's also people that just create things randomly from the sky, right? They're just awesomeness, right? So during all this stuff with my son the last couple months, um, I realized that in a downtime, I don't have any hobbies. A couple of people were talking to me about just delve into your hobbies, right? Where you can just escape mentally and emotionally. And I was like, my work is my hobby. You know, I mean, that's, I, and I love doing what I do and I love doing the research to do what I do. And, and I don't, and I love teaching and I love the women of IAOA and I love the podcast and I love all these things. But at that point, those things just didn't give me an escape. They were just me still being me. I don't know how to put that, but they mm -hmm. weren't escape oriented. And I think of creativity as crafting. I think of creativity as creating something. And even with my business, creativity for me is visioning forward. And yeah. then I want to read other people's resources, their books, their things like that. And I found that all of that was just very not enjoyable. Of course, nothing is enjoyable during that time, right? Nothing is. Um, but at the same point, I didn't have anything I could quote unquote, lose myself in. And, um, I love, I love part of what she talks about, how little kids are a great example of our natural creativity. They play make-believe, they draw. I mean, their, their fantasy is super real to them. And, you know, their toys are super real to them. Their toys are their friends, you know. In a very real way, I wanted to kind of tap into that again. So I bought, mm -hmm. you're going to laugh, I bought myself a Cricut machine. So yeah, I can make things. Love it. And so I wanted to try to get back in my crafting side, something that I can do that didn't could involve other people, but didn't require to something that I could do with my hands that wouldn't be insurance based. Right. And so I bought this cricket, but I have done one thing with it. That's it, because I'm so afraid that my stuff's not going to be as cool as what's on Instagram. And I'm like, 
our Pinterest and I like look up all these projects. What do I want my first project to be? And I end up with like this fear because I'm worried I'm not going to be creative enough. Right. Or I'm not, or I'm going to waste materials or whatever. And I think sometimes whenever we approach creativity, we talk ourselves out of it because of fear, because we want to be completely unique, but at the same point, we want to pull on what other people do, but it just, you know, it just gets to be this crazy conversation in our head that children don't have. They just jump in, they make believe their toys are their friends. And we as adults sometimes don't embrace that creativity because we're so worried about not being perfect or we're not worried about, we're so worried about making a mistake. Do you find that you, guys, that you struggle with that? Yeah, it's like our whole thing as adults is perception, right? Yeah. How am I going to be perceived if I am not perfect enough? And that's, that's what holds us back from creativity. Like for me, you know, for you is, is, you know, the crafting for me is the cooking. Mm-hmm. I get so pissed off when people don't like my cooking, right? <laughs> because I'm like, I'm like, um, you know, that was my creative moment. Mm-hmm. I put all my heart into it. And then here I am doing like a Korean barbecue dish and you don't want the fish sauce. Like, really? Like, you know, so um, it is all about, you know, sometimes when we embrace creativity, we embrace creativity in order to foster acceptance and to foster, you know, that belonging. Um, But the reality is that we should be embracing creativity, not for others, but for us. For us, right? And and that's what kids don't have. They don't worry about, like, they don't worry. And we are so worried about what everybody else is going to think of us or is going to perceive us as that we kind of numb that side of us a lot, most of the time, 95%. And that's why we kind of, like, probably embrace more work when we say, you know, um, you know, work is my passion or work is my hobby. I'm the same way. And I'll tell you through COVID and all, I lost my passion and creativity for cooking a little bit because, you know, I was home 24 seven. So I had nothing to skate to other than eating and watching. Right. The more, that's the problem with cooking is the more you cook, the more you eat. And then the bigger my rear end gets, you know what right, I mean? Right. Like I can only yeah, cook so all- much. Exactly. But we do all struggle. We all struggle with that because we are so busy thinking about what others might say. And I think it's really important too to do something creative like we talked about for ourselves, not just for work, right? Not just because I love being a visionary for my business. I love being a visionary for, for the things that I'm involved in, but I need something too to where I can just sit down with some physical tools. Like for, for some people, it might be painting for some people. It might be music for some people. It might be cooking for some people. It might be something else, but we need something that is completely separate from whatever it is that we do on a day-to-day basis that allows us to expand our mind and dream. I think there's like research and I'm just pulling this from nowhere I know I've heard it. I can't tell you where I've heard it before, but there's research that people who allow themselves to visualize and to dream have a better sense of, of self awareness and they have a better sense of the ability to actually complete the projects that they work on and so forth because they 
They allow themselves to see things rather than being so focused and so driven and so minutia oriented that when we allow ourselves to dream, we're happier people. We have lower blood pressure. We have better cholesterol, triglycerides, all these other things. But then also we're just a better, well-rounded person in general. And I know I've read that somewhere. I'll pull it up. But it's we need to allow ourselves that creativity, even if it's just dreaming about making a T-shirt, right, or right. something creative in our own space. Yeah, I, I I do think that you know, and don't think that creativity or or you know finding something needs to be big or you right. know it needs to take a long time. Like it could be just as simple as saying, well, today I'm going to try to polish my nails differently, right? And maybe you go and you get a couple of different colors of nail polish and you experiment and be creative. So it doesn't have to be like this big, you know, um, expense or this big investment. It could be something simple as, you know, maybe I'm going to do decorations for Christmas uh, with paper and I'm going to try something new. I'm going to try to be creative that way, you know, so it, it, and I'm not the least crafty person you'll ever know, but you know, like I have my daughter, she's very crafty. Like last night, uh, interesting enough, last night she was actually making perfume and her perfume was a mix of toothpaste and, um, my actual perfume oh my and goodness. then she put water in there and then she's like oh mom smell this and I was like what the heck is that yeah <laughs> I was like my daughter my daughter was like my daughter was super like she was creative all over the place I mean she just yeah. exudes to this moment she still exudes like creativity but she used 10 minutes of her day to try to make something new and take her you know, take her, her mind off, like, I have a test tomorrow, or like, I have to study yeah. for science, or whatever. Same for us with work and home. We really need to give ourselves that time yes. in order to, you know, be creative in a way that is not as specifically related to our work life, right? Yes. So um, that could be something really small, no matter, you know, no matter how small or how big, you just need to do something for yourself. Yep, yep. I have a good friend of mine, was really one of my best friends for 20 years. And she, she just sits down at the piano and she'll just start playing. And I don't know if it's stuff she's learned somewhere, very possibly stuff she just kind of creates, but that for her is just a point of relaxation and creativity and space. And I think people just need to find something for themselves in a space of creativity, something that we don't compare ourselves with somebody else, something we do for ourselves. And if we want to make it public, that's fine. Right. And if we don't, that's fine too. But the reality is, is it's not, we don't make it public for the kudos. We don't make it public for the responses, but we just, we just share a part of ourselves. If we choose to be able to make that public, if we share it with our family or our team members or, um, whatever that looks like, put it on social media, whatever. But the reality is really what we do is we do it for ourselves and we do it to be able to be a personal escape. And I'm, I'm telling myself right now, I'm going to do something with that cricket machine because it's taking up my dining room. And so I need to be able to do something with it. When I, when I bought it, my husband's like, where are you going to put that? Because if it gets in the middle of our house and you spread out, I'm like, no, I won't. I promise. <laughs> so that's amazing. Well, you know, maybe 
maybe some ideas, you know, you can make a t-shirt or the holidays are coming. So maybe you make a good mug where you can drink hot cocoa from or wine, whichever you decide, maybe. With Girl, right now the wine part of my life. I'm just saying, you saw me at the bar last week. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> what happens at innovation stays at innovation, right? Innovation. Like I love it. Innovation. I love it. So that's really what we're, it really flows into go ahead post number, uh, number that was number six. So number seven is yeah. cultivating that play, right? Cultivating rest, play, letting go of exhaustion is a status symbol. Girl, status symbol. I am, I don't think of myself as using it as a status symbol because I always say that I'm not tired, but I think yeah. the amount of things that I do I want to use that as a status symbol. I want to be able to say, oh, I need to get off the Zoom real quick because I've got three other meetings this afternoon. I did it. And I think sometimes I tell people what I have going on so that that way that is a status symbol. The fact of exhaustion is not a status symbol for me, but um, the, the, the calendar to some degree is right of, oh, well, you know, um, I have 30 minutes because after this, I have another meeting then I have another meeting. Like people don't need to know what I have going on in two and a half hours or, you know, or, or, or any of that. What, what do you feel about that? Letting go of exhaustion is the status symbol and productivity as self worth. Cause I think we try so hard to make ourselves so worthy. Yeah. So let me tell you something. When I read this, right? Which, I mean, I've read it like two times now or three, I don't know. But when I read this, I totally went into a, a rabbit hole of reading about when your job and your work becomes your identity, right? Mm -hmm. Because, because for me, if I didn't have my calendar full, if you know if i didn't have you know seven days a day to do something i don't know what it is to sit down and relax I, I, I had no idea what that means yeah but if i didn't have that on my calendar like activities six <clears throat> to six like seven to seven i didn't feel productive but i was actually working towards that exhaustion label of like I have to tell you that I'm really busy because otherwise I don't find myself worthy enough, right? Yeah. And it's just burning yourself out to the maximum. And we all have to learn how to not use that as a productivity measure. It's, it's awful. And I'm a work in progress. You know, I've, I've, 100%. Been a, I've been a workaholic for a very, very long time. But when I read this and then I combined that with like letting go as, you know, work as my self-identity, it was life-changing, yeah. life-changing because you need to be more present for yourself and you need to be able to use you as an individual in order to be more productive out there and in order to, you know, exercise creativity and you know live more heartily so how I mean I guess my question to you is how have you been able to let go of that label a little bit or what are some of the things that you practice daily in order to let go of those of those labels of you know self-worth and actually practice you know the so resting this past part of, of it 
So, and I mean, I know this is an extreme situation, but I listen, number one, okay, I'm going to back up just a bit. Number one, I listened to the podcast. She had a great series of podcasts with her sisters about the book at the 10 year anniversary. Love that. And she made a really good point that I didn't even think about until she made it. And she made a point of saying that occasionally she'll like take a 30 minute break and she's been working all day, possibly all night, whatever, writing a book or whatever. If she takes 30 minutes to watch a TV show or just to read a book or sit down on the couch, that, that, that if her, if somebody comes home, like she works from home, I work from home a lot. So if somebody comes home in the middle of that, that all of a sudden she's, her heart rate goes up. She's got to turn off the TV. She's running into her office, rebooting her computer real quick before somebody gets in because she cannot possibly be seen as taking a 30 minute break. And it's almost like she got caught. She got caught taking a break. And we, they had this really interesting conversation that, um, you know, people that smoke get 15 minute smoke breaks, right? People that work in retail get 15 minute breaks, lunch breaks, whatever. How many of us don't even take a lunch break? I can't even tell you the last time I had a lunch break that wasn't with someone, like it wasn't an appointment, right? Like with an area rep or something. And especially the last two months with um, Jeffrey passing, I was trying so hard to work, but then I just wasn't in that space. And everybody kept on saying, give yourself time, give yourself space. So then you know what I did? Okay, this is confession time. Don't tell people, <laughs> even though it's going to be made public. Shh. Um, I would literally have my computer open, be working on something, have my IM chat put up, and then I would have on. My son was a huge Harry Potter fan, and if you if you notice on our um, on uh, some of our family photos during that time, the whole family went and got tattoos specifically in honor of Jeffrey. And Jeffrey had a uh, uh, he had a Deathly Hollows uh, tattoo, which is kind of funny because the Deathly Hollows is all about cheating death. But he had a tattoo on his arm from the Deathly Hollows. So like half the family, well, most of the family, all the stepbrothers and stepsisters and um, uh, uh, um, spouses of the primary parents got Deathly Hollows tattoos in a different way. Like everybody's looked a little bit different for what meant something to Jeff. Then Jeff's sister, his father and I all got individual expressions of him, which we could do whatever we wanted. I mean, number one, there were no requirements. Everybody could do whatever they wanted to, but we all did our own. And if you look, I got the butterfly because he was my bugger out of his fingerprints. And, but it's funny because I would sit there and I'd watch these Harry Potters. And as soon as my IM chat went off, not like anybody's watching me. Monica, nobody's watching me. I look like yeah. my hair is up on top of my head. I haven't showered in three days. But as soon as my IM chat was off, I'm like, pause the TV. Ooh, did I just get caught that I'm watching Harry Potter? <laughs> so I'm trying to multitask, self-love, giving myself time while I'm freaking out if my IM chat goes off. And it was such a crazy thing that in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, Teresa, this is the time for you to take self-love. And I was only responding to things that came to me. I wasn't instigating conversations. I wasn't instigating. And most people were leaving me alone in the vast majority, just calling the carrier, getting things taken care of, whatever. But at the same point, the guilt that I felt in that moment threw me back to this conversation that I should not be feeling guilt about that, that I had every single right to sit and watch some of our favorite childhood memories through those books because he was being raised through the releasing of those books. And we went to midnight premieres for the books and the, and the movies and stuff. But I felt guilt in that moment. And 
that self-worth made me feel bad about myself. And I thought, why am I feeling this way? Why? That is ridiculous. But even in those moments, sometimes we know that we need to self-love, but we don't give ourselves credit for the self-love that we need to exhibit towards ourselves. Isn't so amazing that we can use guilt against ourselves? Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, Teresa, you have nobody above you watching you. Right. I'm like, who's going to fire me? You, you, you own your own. <laughs> it, is, it is amazing how we can use it against our own, you know, persona, right? Like, it's, it's incredible how our minds work. So I think if anything, we can, we can take from this specific, you know, portion of it where she says, you know, live in a way that you cultivate, play and rest in the, in, in, in the sense of the time is just telling you, hey, you cannot work or be your 100% if you're exhausted. You got to yeah. give yourself permission to have that 30 minutes to watch Harry Potter, right? Like it doesn't matter. Like during, um, I think a great example is like during COVID, you know, we all went through big transitions. I've never been, um, we've never like my husband, my daughter and myself, we've never been home 24 hours a day ever, right? right. We've, been, we've been together for, I don't know, 15 years, our daughter is 10. And I cannot remember the last time we were home, the three of us for 24 hours, right? Yeah. So COVID and all came. And then we had to start exercising these things because either one of us was going to walk out or we were all going to go crazy. Right. Right. So what we did is that, you know, I've always been very busy and I've always been pushy. Like, you know, I'm working, I'm working, leave me alone. I'm right. But something that we did, and I think, you know, it helped um, based on this of the, of the cultivating plate and rest is that when my daughter was going to have lunch, we basically decided that that time we were going to watch an episode on Netflix about anything and we were just going to eat lunch together. Right. And that's it. And that's it. I love it. We didn't, we, we didn't do it every day because, you know, every day is, is different, you know, different needs, the team and whatnot. But I gave myself permission that when I wanted to do that, I did it. Right. Right. And it's no guilt about that, but we play our mind plays such a big role on making sure that you are not using your own feelings or your own sentiment of that specific scenario, because what happens, you know, very productive leaders like us, we don't want our team to go and watch Netflix for half an hour. It's like, you really, man? Well, and you hear people game. online sometimes so are like, you hear people on t- <laughs> online sometimes that are like, oh, my team member is on their phone, you know, for 15 minutes or for 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay, if it's not a lot, then I don't really care. They need that rest time too. Maybe they're playing a game. Right. Maybe they're, you know, if, and, and I always, and I come back to the concept of the smokers. And the only reason is, is because there's a physical need to be able to go take a break. Right. And we, who myself, who does not smoke and never has, I don't take those breaks because I don't have that physical need to, 
But yet at the same point, nobody's telling me to go take them like somebody who works in retail or somebody who works, whatever. So I just tend to just keep on going, you know, whereas, you know, so many times we don't give ourselves that credit and we don't go take it. Now I love my book is a page 102, but she says that (laughs) Steve and I sat down in 2008 and this is Brene Brown from the book, made a practical list of things that make our family work. We basically answered the questions when things are really going well in our family, what does that look like? The answers included sleep, working out, healthy food, cooking, time off, weekends away, going to church, being present with the kids, a sense of control over our money, meaningful work that doesn't consume us, time to piddle, time with our family. Most people don't even know what the word piddle is. That's one thing I love about her. And uh, time with our family and close friends, time to just hang out. And these were on our ingredients for joy and meaning. And I love the fact that then they also created a dream list that we started making a couple of years ago and they keep on adding to everything on this list was an accomplishment or an acquisition, a house with more bedrooms, a trip here, personal salary goals, professional endeavors. When we compared our dream list to our joy and meaning list, we realized that by merely letting go of the list of things we wanted to accomplish and acquire, mm-hmm. we were already living our dream. Not striving to make it happen, not working for a future, but living in the right now. The things that we were working towards did nothing to make our life fuller. How many of us are working for stuff, Mm -hmm. accolades that will only stress ourselves out more? How many of us say we need to be on social media more? We need to do this. We want to create some program. We want to be coaches. We want to be blah, 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 right? But all of that will just stress us out even further. I had a great conversation with Royal Mullet um, recently, and she was like, I I don't want to go in whatever direction that we were talking about. She just because I know that the stuff it's going to take for me to get there will... will not be within my, my wheelhouse. I don't want to do those things. She said, whenever we look at it, it's a great idea. It's a great concept. But the reality is, is that I don't, yes, I want the results from that, but no, I don't, I don't really want the stress from it. So she says, I'm just not going to do it. And I love that she was so self-aware for that is that if we look at our dream and our, um, joy and meaning lists, are they really symbiotic? Right. I love how she in the in the next page, you know, she said to her kids, you know, your dad and me, we have very, very demanding work, but it is my job to make sure we have downtime as a family so we can enjoy the fruits of that hard work, right? And I think what that's kind of like where we are lacking. We all lack on making sure that we find joy on the moments that we need to be present with the household. And we're all very guilty because we all think that the more we work, the more we make, the happier we will get because, you know, money equals happiness makes our life a lot easier. But in reality, you know, you're living your life and life is made of moments. So are you really living in the present? Or are you living just for living and just, you know, creating a legacy 
that you're not going to get to enjoy. Right. So like those it's perfect our decision. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just said it's our decision to it make is. that happen. It is. Yeah. And the only people that can create our lives is us. That's right. And if we're not happy with it, then we're the ones that need to go change it. You know, I mean, I think that's that self-responsibility is something that rather than getting all upside down about this person or that person, or I'm hurt, or I, I'm victim, I'm not a victim. I create my own space. And it's my job through these guideposts to create a wholehearted living experience. And I love that. And that really goes into guidepost number eight, which is cultivating calm and stillness, letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle. And I've really just latched on to some really big calm rituals in the past couple of months. I'm exploring a little bit of the Ayurvedic um, stuff. Um, it's interesting to me, sidebar conversation, hormones, middle age, whatever. It's interesting to me that when my hormones are out of whack, they give me a patch that goes on my hip that I wear and it's supposed to change more hormones. So if I'm supposed to put something on my body, like a patch that goes through my skin, what about all the other stuff I've been putting on my skin all these years? Right. And so um, that changed my hormones to begin with. So I've been trying to do a little bit more of a oil based organic moisturizing type thing, a little bit more of the, the dry um, brushing, a little bit more of the organic type stuff. For me, though, that 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 ritual is very calming. And um, through the Ayurvedic massage that you do with the oils or whatever, it's supposed to help let go of some lymphatic stuff. You go kind of in the circles around your joints and different things like that. But I find it very calming and I really enjoy it. And um, when I was at IAOA I or Innovation, I kind of got away from that. I did it a little bit, but not very much. But when I got back, I really enjoyed it. And um, also incorporating in that some meditation. And I've been doing meditation for a long time, but I haven't been really consistent with it. And that really has helped me. A couple of times I woke up like at Innovation just in like a panic for whatever reason, like this, my spirit was just in this hyperventilation mode. And um, Lisa Hangles, shout out, she's my soul sister. And um, I'd be on Facebook and she, like three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. She was like, girl, she would text me directly. She goes, I know you're up because you're posting on Facebook. So I'm just going to text you directly. What are you doing? <laughs> and it was really <laughs> funny. I'm like, why are you up? And we both just had this kind of the same conversation. But for me, it was anxiety and I needed to go. And I told her, I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to bring myself back to center. I have to do that. But we have to know how to do that right? when those moments of anxiety come up, because otherwise I am just a hot mess when that stuff happens. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Yeah. 
Me too. I um, for me in manifesting dreams, I mm. have horrible, horrible dreams if I am experiencing anxiety. And granted, you know, we have very stressful careers. Um, we have stress at home. Um, we have stress in different ways. You know, it could be family stress. It could be work stress. And it manifests, manifests in a lot of different ways. For me, um, hot, long shower. Mm. I, just sat, I just sit there. <clears throat> I mean, stand there. I, I hate baths. No, I don't do baths either. I, I just don't want, I, my love, my daughter loves them. I hate them, but I just, it's nothing more calming to me that putting just, you know, a good station on, you know, iHeartRadio, going to the bathroom, locking all the doors because, you know, they think it's a, it's a public plaza. Or right. It's like the Metro, like there's no privacy in my house. Who's with me? I think, so, I think that the worst invention ever is glass, <laughs> glass showers. I think it's the worst invention ever. I don't know if it's a Texas thing because we never had them before I moved down here to Texas. This whole glass shower thing. I'm like, this is my private space. I am sorry. You are not visually nor personally invited. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful for the bathroom. It sucks as a woman trying to have a moment of privacy. Anyway, yes, so sidebar. I sorry. There. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, it's no better moment for me than just standing there and just hearing the water flow and just, yeah. you know, and kind yeah. of like recite to myself a couple of things that I like to say, you know, yep. um, your affirmations. Like things that I, yeah. My affirmations are, you know, you're worthy. Um, you got this. You're a great mom. You know, you're doing everything you can. Those are my affirmations. Kind of, they're not very specific, but it's what calms me down. Right. So I think, you know, we, we all, you know, you can do yoga, you can do a like whatever it is, you know, whatever your thing is, whatever your thing is, um, but giving yourself that moment um, and practicing it. I think, you know, I lack on practice a lot. Like I, I do it when I have no more options, right? I kind of went and like wait and push myself to the end in order to do it but this will be something that you should do for yourself on a daily basis totally totally and i think there's there's always this thing too that says that um i don't know if you've heard it or not this says depression is living in the past anxiety is living in the future and that just to be present is where we can find peace and i know that at night I have this um, sleep mask that I'll sleep in occasionally and it has little speakers in it and it has Wi-Fi uh, Bluetooth to my cell phone. So I'll plug in my cell phone, I'll get on YouTube and I find sleep meditations that are like eight hours. And um, it is uh, lots of different things. I go back, back and forth between abundance and go back and forth between worthiness and I go back and forth between these things. And when I do that, I find that a lot of that other negativity and chaos does not penetrate my soul as much. Um, and I find that I can re refocus a lot faster, but that for me helps is that, and it keeps me asleep too, because otherwise I might have a bad dream or something. And I'm a very lucid dreamer where I kind of control some of my dreams, but I'll literally wake myself up from it. And then I'll go worry about whatever it was that hasn't actually happened. That was in my dream for like the next three hours and I can't go back to sleep. So I find that that sleep mask really helps. Yeah, I, I, there is something here that she says about stillness and, of course, clarity. Um, 
So stillness, stillness is not about focusing on nothingness. It is about creating and clearing. Um, it is opening up an emotionally clutter-free space and allowing ourselves to feel and think and dream and question. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, back to, you know, our examples of how anxiety manifests, we're not telling you to numb any of it. It's more, more about embracing it, accepting it, and then let it go, right? And then learn how to actually clear up that space that that anxiety is taking and move forward and practice it over and over and over again. Um, you know, sometimes we think about things too much that we don't have, like we don't have to. And sometimes we give our emotions and our thoughts and our anxiety so much power over our day, our night, our, our mental, you know, state. Um, and it is important to understand that don't give more than necessary to any of those things um, because it takes away from the greatness within you, right? Mm. Uh, some of them are necessary um, in order to understand whatever it is that you're going through, but don't give them that power and make sure that, you know, practice that, you know, in, whatever it is that you need to practice in order to you know get you to that clear space do it on a daily basis otherwise you know it's just going to continue to linger and continue to it could even time. just be going out for a walk by yourself it could yeah, be yeah. just you know anything i mean just anything it could be just listening to music in your car rather than a podcast rather than the radio rather than whatever and it could even be just choosing calm music i know when i went through my divorce my first divorce, I was very, very angry. I was super angry. And I found that every single song on the radio was about being angry, being being upset about something or being in love. And then I was upset that they were in love and just all this stuff and everything. And I found that if I just turned on classical music, it just put me in a much more even um, zone. So that way my head didn't fire up and go different directions. A lot of it's just being conscious about what's going on and creating that stillness. It doesn't mean we have to stop life. It just means we have to do what it takes to be able to create a stillness in our soul so that we can go ahead and move forward. So I want to make sure we kind of look at that too, because it's just, and it yeah. could be journaling. I mean, a lot, I love to journal. I don't do it as right often down. as I should, but I find that when I look back over my journals, I find successes and peace. And I've learned it older that I get that I have separate journals, one for successes, one for struggles. And then that way I can go back and I can find what I want a lot faster. And one for like ideas that I want to implement, right? right? It used to be they were all put together. But even in my journals, I would sit there and I would doodle. And then I would sit there and then I would go back with like, um, uh, colored pencils and just color. So just taking that time to just do that in that stillness to help me think through the things that I was putting down in my journal. So I really want to encourage people to find whatever works for them to find that stillness and be able to, to, to cultivate that uh, calm and letting go of anxiety. There's lots of like coloring books out there that people can go ahead and uh, color mandalas or whatever it is. And in fact, during COVID, I ended up, uh, somebody sent me one and I loved it. And so I sent them to all of our kids 
and sent them like full on markers and, and, and pencils. And I sent them like different um, adult coloring books so that they could go ahead and find that in the midst of COVID and the anxiety of being home all the time. Yeah. And one of my favorite things to do before going to bed is to crossword. Oh, I love it. It's, it's so like, oh, it takes my mind into different places. Like, oh, I didn't know that word existed. <laughs> so I learned something new too on the way. <laughs> I love it. I love Amazing. it. Well, guidepost nine and number nine is cultivating meaningful work, letting go of self-doubt and supposed to. This is huge. I think she has like maybe four pages on it, but we can go for hours on these. Hours. How much of her life is wrapped up in I should? should. I'm supposed to. You know what? Somebody once told me, again, I can't, we get these conversations. I can't remember what it is. I think it's my, my pastor, Lee Wallach. And he said, stop shooting on other people. This person should do this. This person should do that. I should do this, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when this happens, this person should do that. We need to stop shooting on other people because then all we're doing is judging them. And when we do that to ourselves, all we're doing is judging ourselves. That really stuck with me. Well, it's sticking with me now too. (laughs) We kind of do it unconsciously, right? Totally. We are, we are supposed to go to college. We are supposed to get married. You are supposed to buy a house. You are supposed to do all these things. You're not supposed to have any kids when you are, you know, 20. Or like, it's all this supposing and yeah. all these expectations that have been created by society that we lose track on living our own lives in our own terms. And we become judgmental of everything and everything that anyone yep. does, including ourselves, including ourselves. So um, I think it's, um, it's pretty interesting that, you know, she mentions here, <laughs> she does a story about the gremlin. <laughs> yes. And I, I just, it's, it's, you know, but it all is it spirals from self-doubt, right? Yes, how, and fear. How come, yeah, how come she is uh, 60 and she's already retired and she's able to travel travel four times a year? Or how is she 25 and, you know, look at her body and, like, you know, how does she have time to go to the gym? Shouldn't she be taking care of the kids at this time? You know, like, it's just... Yeah. All these things, we become so judgmental of everything and everyone that's around us because we are fearful of doing it ourselves. And yeah. maybe, you know, we want to do or be there, but we should be working instead of, you know, taking a, taking a day off, right? So it's just so much that we can go into, but it is all under, like bottom line is all fear, judgment, and, and judgment. Totally. Uh, and it's yeah. amazing how much judgment we put on other people too, because I mean, as a parent of grown children, because my two stepchildren are 35 and 32. And then of course my children are, Jeffrey was 28 and then Kaylee will be 23 next month. And one of the thing is we don't have grandchildren and, um, we're like at the 35 year old, you know, we're like, okay, are y'all going to have children? And they're like, nope, we don't want kids. 
Well, we're like, you should want kids. Well, we know. And at first they did, but now they've decided together that they don't want kids. And then our second child, Mitchell's wonderful and amazing, big, huge heart. He's like, eh, the whole marriage relationship sticky thing. He's like, "Eh, I don't know. He's like, he doesn't want to date. He doesn't want to do anything. So then we had the whole, my kids, right? So then Jeffrey passes away. So now it's kind of like, Kaylee, you're our last hope. But at the same point, that's not fair. And we shouldn't, as I say here and say should, I, as a human being, it is not fair for me to put my dreams on other people when it's not theirs. If they don't choose to have children, then they would probably not be the parents that would be appropriate to be able to have children. I mean, I don't know they have different goals, right? And that's fine. They made that choice. That is the choice that they made. And we need to respect that other people have the right to make those choices. And, um, that's their life and they have every right. So if I have every right to live my life, how I choose to, then I have to respect how other people choose to live their lives, whether or not they work with me and, you know, they choose to go another direction, right? With their career, whether or not they work with me and they, whatever it might be. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and create scenarios, but, you know, we need to make sure that we don't put our expectations on other people, because when we give that gift of unconditional love that frees them and unconditional acceptance, I'm talking work and personal to be exactly who they are. And that is what creates a culture in our homes and in our businesses where people want to work. Um, If you listen to Grant Popma's culture course, and I totally believe this, people use the excuse of money to leave a situation where they're uncomfortable or where they don't feel like they're being respected. People will stay for less money because they feel respected and they feel comfortable. How many people get in a job that they feel safe in, they know it, they're there, and they know they could probably go make more money somewhere else, but they never even try, right? We can't sit here and say that money is a number one driver for our team. And I'm not saying we should underpay our people. That's not my point at all. But if people are happy doing what they're doing, they're not going to go seek something else. And I think that should thing, you should have known that this paperwork needed to accompany this. We should have known this. We should have known that. That's what creates a spirit of judgment that we need to be able to get out of with our family and with our team members to create a really good environment where we're giving our team what we want right? The culture that we want. I don't want them looking at me and said, well, you should have known. Yeah, You know, there's a lot of things I should know that I don't know. And and also respecting the diversity of thought, right? Because we are all different and we all believe in different things and we all think about different things. So, you know, my beliefs that you should have kids at 35, it's not the same thought or belief of, you know, you should have kids at 25 type of thing. So I think respecting that diversity of thought, um, if we practice more of that, I think we can definitely make uh, a little bit of headway into being less judgy and um, expecting others to, you know, have our same thought process, I will say, or our same expectations. Because no one expectations are the same. They aren't. They aren't, and we can't hold other people accountable for our expectations because they're not the same as other people's. Right. 
And I love that. I absolutely love that. So our guidepost number 10, cultivating laughter, song, and dance. And I am not, I feel like I'm a pretty joyful person. I feel like I'm a pretty positive person. But the fact that she uses the word cultivating, I do not cultivate joy. I feel like I'm trying to be a very peaceful person. I try to take the high road. I try to be a positive person. But as far as like cultivating opportunities for dancing, joy, celebration, I suck at that. I mean, suck at that. Totally. 100%. I wish I was much better at that. Let's talk about the boat. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love it. Well, you know, I have moments of I have moments of fun. I have moments of fun. And on the boat, we had a lot of fun. But I got to say, on the boat, it was an environment that was created for us to have fun. Yeah. Right. Yes. It was a time when we were supposed to go on a boat cruise with a whole bunch of other insurance agency owners. And we were supposed to have fun. And they had music. They had karaoke. They had dancing and they had libations. And we all had a good time, right? Yeah. I think it might be on TikTok and social media. I'm not really sure if y'all want to go Google that I'm not Googling anything. I'm not Googling it either. I don't want to see some of that. <laughs> but I will no, say that, yeah. right. And if we don't, like me, if I don't cultivate that very easily, mm-hmm. maybe I need to write it into my schedule to cultivate it. I know it sounds bad, but like we wanted to put as like one of our goals one day a week to make sure we plan out an event for the next week that cultivates joy, right? And it could be something different every week, but if I have it on my list of things to get done, and I know that doesn't feel like you're cultivating joy necessarily, but maybe it's just going to a movie, taking a little bit of time off to go to a movie. You know, maybe it is... um FaceTiming with my daughter and doing, you know, that, you know, talking to her and and connecting with her because that's, that's connecting and cultivating, you know, that song and dance. And I love, um, are you a Grey's Anatomy fan? Have, have you ever watched? Watching it? I stopped watching it a long time ago, but I yeah. did watch like the first probably eight seasons. Okay. <laughs> So you're going to totally know what I'm going to talk about. If you've watched like one season, you know what I'm talking about. So Meredith Gray and um, her best friend, Sandra Oh, but I can't remember what her name was on the care on the thing. They would have these dance out parties. So whenever they would get super stressed, they just cranked up the music and just danced it out. And they don't use that as much on the further ends of things, but I just always thought what a great, emotional and physical exertion point to be able to say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. But even if it's just taking our team out for lunch, even if it's just showing up at our husband's office to take him out for lunch, even if it's just going to a movie and having that time away for ourselves, even if it's just, which is kind of silence and all that as well, but it's cultivating joy, letting go of cool, you know, that she puts in here and it's, it's, song and dance even if it's in your car cranking up the music and just screaming while you're driving that is therapeutic it's not pretty for the person next to me let me just say that but it's it's therapeutic you know here in massachusetts we have very bad nicknames for drivers you know we call we they call us the math hold i'm just gonna let you put those together oh my goodness but (laughs) but i'm telling you when i drive I like to put my music on. It could be gospel music. You don't, you don't know. It could be whatever. Right. You don't know what I'm listening to. Whatever it is. Whatever. Like I had had 
different situations where I have to come to a stop and I'm like dancing and like singing in my car because that's my moment, right? I got to right. get any other moment other than from driving home, um, from work, that's my quiet moment. And I don't like utilizing it on talking to anybody or exploring anything. I just drive and listen to music. That's it. Um, and I love like in the morning, my to go with gospel. In the afternoon, uh, I can do anything pop, whatever is trending. If it's raining, like today is raining, I had Adele. So I was like, you know, hello from the other side. I was like, you know, like doing the concert. But I yeah. have moments where people look at me and they're like, what the heck is she doing? <laughs> but, you know, it is amazing because then they start laughing. Yeah. So, you know, unconsciously, you are cultivating that joy, not just like for that. me, but for others too, you know? So right. when, you tell, when you tell a joke, like, you know, you can laugh about the joke, but you're also making others laugh too. So... It could be a simple act, you know, it could just be a joke. It could be, you know, you, you know, just to start thinking out of nowhere, or it could be, you know, just you go out and just got coffee for everybody on yep. a rainy day and it's not warm or hot cocoa or whatever. I love hot cocoa. And I'm just saying. Me too. Whole, whole December. Whole December. You know, there's, there's actually something called dad jokes. There's something called dad jokes that are just stupid, corny jokes that you can Google and then just walk in, you know, to the office or walk into the house or text somebody and send them a stupid dad joke. You know, we had this one, um, that just is first in my mind and it's, it's a little bit inappropriate, not really inappropriate. It's not inappropriate, but we're all adults, but anyway, and it says, it says, what is a fish used to get high? Seaweed. We just send these like stupid little jokes to our kids or whatever. And I think things like that just create yes. fun. They're goofy, right? Yeah, it is so amazing. I have this, uh, this friend, Del. With this, she's in the insurance industry. We've never met in person, but we are in these, you know, call every, <laughs> every other week. And she is an expert at cultivating joy for others. And oh, she does nice. it through me. She, she does it through memes, right? So she um, sends me all these memes randomly, like randomly. And she makes me laugh so much every time that she sends those to me. And like, she, it could be something as like stupid. Uh, TikToks are good for that too. I mean, I get down TikToks, they make yeah. me crack up. Yeah, my daughter loves TikTok. I don't, I don't use it, but she's something shows me things that I was like oh my goodness I just don't I'm missing on a lot on TikTok for sure but then I'll be I know myself and I'll become addicted about it's a watching hole. all these things yeah it's a hole that yeah. I find myself trying to, <laughs> to crawl out of but, you know back back to it it's just a matter of an, a simple act I think you know it doesn't have to be too big there is not too nothing too big nothing too small yeah. it's just something that is necessary in order for you to just you know, feel good. It's a feel good type of moment. And then yeah. you just live it and move on. Yeah. And I love her point of letting go of cool too, is that sometimes we don't get goofy or be funny because we want to be cool. We want to be, we want to be interesting. You know, I almost, I almost want to create like a, 
series of t-shirts that I wear like one per day or something like that, that has a joke on it, like joke on the front, like the answer on the back. And I don't know, I don't know, to be known for it, but that's probably not my thing really. But, you know, I just think something like that would be fun, you know, to where you cultivate and bring joy, right? Something people look for, something people, people find. And, and I love that because it's in those moments of laughter, whether or not it's just out for a, a night with the girls, right? How therapeutic is just getting together with a good friend. And we've even, my daughter and I were trying to start a like Tuesday night girls night thing or whatever. And where we just do FaceTime, no guys. I'm like, I'll send you 10 bucks. Just go somewhere and get dinner, whatever, right? By yourself. And you and I just talk, right? We don't want any guys around. There's no judgment. We're just here. Like, and I'm just here to help us through all the stuff that we're going through. And um, that's worked really, really well in general. Um, and But when we can have that, that girl time or that just time together, we both come out of it so refreshed. And I mean, you know, my daughter's 20, almost 23 next month. So it's a little bit different relationship than we have otherwise, but just cultivating and being intentional about maybe going out with a girlfriend or going out with a friend or even out with your spouse, you know, and remind yourself that they made, hopefully they made you laugh at one point in your life. Maybe they made you think at one point in your life, you know, what was it just like we have date nights you know, for, for, for couples, we should have cultivating joy time, you know, Mm -hmm. to be able to make sure that we bring that joy. We don't get too serious. I think the world's just too serious. Yeah. You know, if you haven't watched this movie, you should, um, it's called yes day. What's it called? Yes day. And it's with Jennifer Aniston. Oh, Jennifer Aniston. Let me see. I think, yeah, it's Jennifer Aniston. What a movie. What a movie. It's Never even heard of it. Yes, it is. It is amazing. It is about this mom, uh, three, I think it's three kids, mom, married. She, uh, but they only knew her as mom. Right. They never knew her as the fun, you know, crazy person. And, you know, the husband was, missing on that and then the kids you know it's like mom you're not fun whatever and then, you know they were just having this whole situation at home um and then she just she just had to let it go right and it, it, it is a beautiful movie you should watch it because I will. it totally it totally um portrays everything that we just discussed about cultivating joy um once she started exercising that her world became different right? Nice. um, You definitely, you definitely need to start giving yourself permission um, to do those things. And, you know, not because we're talking about it means that we're experts on it, because we all are working towards all these, you know, different aspects of our lives. But I think it is, it is okay to let your hair down. Um, For me, an aha moment was with my, my husband told me, it's like, why do you think you're 60 years old? Like, you're so young like wear the bikini like I don't care like you know like you know so um you know we had this conversation where he was like I need you back because Mm -hmm. you're still young you're not 60 years old yeah I know but the career and like you know how people will perceive a mom and yeah yeah if I if I let my hair down what they're gonna think about me so um 
sometimes when we don't don't do those things we're leaving a side of us that the joy side of us that we definitely um, need to cultivate on a on a day-to-day basis so you know nothing wrong with doing it no no nothing at all well i love it this book has been amazing for me and it's it's really really good and i know it's a 10 year old book but it is so relevant to everything i think we're all working on and going through and i have loved every moment of it and i know it's part of oprah's book club whatever which mm-hmm. here there the other but i know she picks out some really good books but renee brown the gifts of imperfection and the awesomeness and amazingness of just letting ourselves be our authentic self, not living in a spirit of judgment, not living according to other people's rules, cultivating joy. I mean, I just want to real quick, as we go ahead and wrap up a little bit, let's talk about what each of these guideposts are. I mean, I'm just gonna name them off. Number one, cultivating authenticity. Number two, cultivating self-compassion. Number three, cultivating a resilient spirit. Guidepost number four is cultivating gratitude and joy. Very, very important. Number five, cultivating intuition and trusting faith. Number six, cultivating creativity. Number seven, cultivating play and rest. Guidepost number eight is cultivating calm and stillness. Number nine, cultivating meaningful work, something that means something. And then number 10, cultivating laughter, song, and dance. Uh All of those are areas where we need to grow, I think, as a culture. And I love the fact that she's put together such a wonderful book about it. And it's such a light read. It is. You you will think that it's 10 things and this is like, I don't know, like 700 pages long, but it's not. It's only well, 100 and something pages. 124. And that includes the first entry point because I remember right. um, before, by the time I got to the first guidepost, I was like, really? We're only on the first guidepost because she did a really good intro to it um, that I thought was wonderful. But um, like she doesn't even hit the first guidepost. Where does she even start the first guidepost? I'm sitting here looking at the pages right now. Um, her first guidepost is on page 49. So it's less than 100 pages as far as the guideposts go. And each one of them is broken up into sections. So even if you would just read a little bit every day, yeah. you can easily make your way through it. It's easily digestible. And I love her title, Let Go of Who You Think You're Supposed to Be and Embrace Who You Are, Your Guide to a Wholehearted Life. Love it. Love that. Love it. And anyone out there, I mean, we're not sponsored by Benner Baron. We are not, yes. <laughs> we're not here to sell any books. Ain't nobody um, paying me nothing for doing this, yes, but we're just having fun. But if you all have the opportunity to definitely read it, it could be line changing. You know, you yeah. don't have to learn from each one of them, but at least you will get something that it will be life changing. So, yeah. you know, investing yourself, I guess, is, you know, the main message here. Because if you don't do it, who is going to do it for you? True. Right? True. Word, my friend. Word. I love it. Well, everybody. This is Monica Edwani, and she is amazing. She has a great podcast that is all about 
I'm not going to say wholehearted living or wholehearted life because, but it is all at the same time. It's about hearing women's journey and being a better human being and um, called Transcend with M. Check it out. It is amazing. And then real quick, tell us, tell us about in a real quick snippet about your other uh, more money generating avenues rather than just your, you know, your personal soul song to the universe that I think uh, Transcend With Them is amazing. And I think of that as your personal soul song to the earth. This is, this is kind of mine, you know, I mean, I don't make any money from doing it. And I know you don't necessarily from Transcend With Them, even though we get, um, we get, we get a lot of personal feedback from it, a lot of personal joy from it, but tell us a little bit about what you do on the side for your hus for your, for your day job. Yeah. So definitely I feel our podcasts are more a, a healing journey and a, right. a way of connecting with other people and giving, giving, you know, women and, and men out there uh, a more meaningful way of uh, expressing themselves. Uh, I mean, for money making activities, uh, I own um, Sabadol with uh, my partner, Troy. Uh, it's a virtual professional company helping independent agents um, across the state. So that's the money maker activity. <laughs> and we also own agencies. So we are also agency owners and very, very proud of, you know, focusing on the different niches that we do. Uh, he's in Minnesota, I am in Massachusetts. And um, we make it work like a charm. Um, so really excited for what is on the horizon um, and in the future, uh, just because, you know, it's been a great journey so far. Um, and we're excited to help and give more uh, to our independent agents out there. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. And if you have any questions for Monica, you can go ahead and uh, connect with her down with our show notes. We'll have her contact information. Everybody, this is Teresa Kitchens. We are the Power Women in Insurance. We have a new episode every single Wednesday. Find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Playlist, wherever you want to. Just Google us. Just Google us. But we love you guys. We love the women in this industry, the direction this industry is going. And we are excited to be able to be a part of you and your journey as you are going there and making powerful moves on your own end. So everybody... Thanks so much for joining us and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks. Sounds good. Hey agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good. Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner and I, you know how it is to to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. 
That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.